Get ready, because you're about to get sucked in. Welcome to Down the Black Hole. I'm your host, Coeli, and I'm a starseed who's obsessed with everything cosmic, energy, and otherworldly as it relates to our 3D reality. I consider myself a modern-day philosopher because I love to think. My mind is open to pondering endless possibilities, and as you go down the black hole with me, I hope to expand your mind too. Hi everyone, today we're going to talk about the star system and its impact on us. Every ancient culture from around the world had a profound and reverent connection to our galaxy, whether that be a star system or particular planets. They each understood that our galaxy was very important and that we were very connected to everything around us. As our modern society moves through our spiritual evolution and a lot of us are awakening and going along these spiritual journeys, we're looking back at what these ancient societies had to teach us and the wisdom that they gained from the stars and their cultural rituals and beliefs. And we're using that knowledge to picture our own world in a very different way. One particularly important figure from history in ancient Egypt was the sage known as Thoth, who was elevated to the status of a god within that society because he had knowledge of astronomy, architecture, geometry, medicine, and religion. But he was also very popularized for his philosophy called the Hermetica. And this philosophy became very popular among the Greeks in Alexandria in the second and third centuries. In Thoth's Hermetic philosophy, he talks a lot about the importance of the connection to the cosmos, the galaxy, and how those energies affect us and how we relate to them. Because of Thoth, many of the ancient Egyptians and even the Greeks came to believe that the planets are gods that guide our life. I'm going to read a passage from the Hermetica, which will give you some insight into Thoth's philosophy on the cosmos. This is called the creation of humankind. When the creator, who, want of a better name, we call Adam, had made the second god, which is the cosmos, he was pleased. His creation was beautiful and wholly filled with goodness, and he loved it like his child. In his kindness, Adam wished for there to be a creature capable of appreciating the beauty of his creation. So, by an act of will, he created humankind, to be an imitator of his divine wisdom and nurturing love. Adam asked each heavenly god in turn, What can you provide for humanity, which I am about to create? The sun said it would shine all day, providing laughter as a source of joy for both mortal minds and the boundless universe itself. The moon promised sleep and silence, and to shine by night. Saturn offered justice and necessity. Jupiter gave peace and Mars struggle. Venus offered love and pleasure. Mercury, who is also called Hermes, said, I will make humankind intelligent. I will convey to them wisdom and knowledge of the truth. I will never cease to benefit all humanity. Adam was glad when he heard these words and gave the command that man should come into being.
I find this passage to be really interesting for a couple different reasons. The first being the fact that he is stating that the planets are gods and that they all represent something. And in modern astrology, when we're looking at the different planets and what they represent in someone's birth chart, each planet also holds a general theme or like a message that they carry and imbue into that person. So this correlation is just very interesting to me because it was kind of unexpected considering we think that we're a little bit more intelligent as a modern day species and we look back on the ancient wisdom that the Egyptians, such as Thoth, are giving us and we can clearly see that they knew a lot more than we kind of understand now. Like we're just reaching that level of their spiritual understanding. Now I want to read another passage from the Hermetica that actually references specifically the zodiacs. This passage is called the universal and the particular. Adam arranged the constellations of the zodiac in harmony with the movements of nature and charged them with producing all forms of the animals. When these gods had used their different powers, there emerged four-footed beasts, creeping things, fishes and winged birds, grass and flowering herbs, all according to their different natures, and each containing the seed of the continuance of their species. Every living thing has its own unique form, given to it by the power of the zodiac. This form is appropriate to its species, yet each is individual. The human race, for example, shares a common universal form by which we know that a man is a man, yet all human beings have a distinctly different particular form of which no two are entirely alike. Each particular form is unique because it inhabits a unique time and place. The particular forms change in every moment of every hour as the gods of the zodiac revolve in their celestial circle. The universal forms do not change, just as the constellations remain the same, but instant by instant the particular forms transform as the sphere of heaven changes as it turns. So here Thoth is mentioning the zodiac in particular by name and the passage that stood out to me the most was that the particular forms change in every moment of every hour as the gods of the zodiac revolve in their celestial circle. In modern day astrology we understand that your rising sign in your birth chart is determined by your exact time of birth and that each of the 12 zodiac signs rules two hours out of every day. And I feel like that's exactly what he's talking about here when he states that in every moment of every hour as the gods of the, of the zodiac revolve in their celestial circle. I think he's referring to the rising sign. In my personal opinion, that's how I interpret things, but it's still open to interpretation. The passage continues on to say, the human body is an earthly temple constructed by the power of the zodiac, which makes myriad forms from simple archetypes. There are 12 signs of the zodiac and the forms they produce fall into 12 divisions. They are, however, inseparably united in their action. Nature makes the human body so that its constitution resonates with the patterns of the stars in such a way that they mutually affect one another. When we are born, the planetary gods who are at the time on duty as ministers of birth 
take charge of us. These particular powers the cha that change according to the rotation of the planets make their way in through the body and mold the shape of our souls. They penetrate our nerves and marrow, veins and arteries, even our innermost organs. Now for me personally, when I read this, I was like, wow, because Thoth really kind of put into words what I have always believed to be in terms of like the birth chart in astrology. I believe that a birth chart in astrology is the blueprint to our soul, so to speak, because it, it tells you about the various energies that comprise you as a human being, and each one is distinctly, distinctly unique. Now, things get much more interesting in this next passage, which I'm just going to read a small portion of and not the whole thing, just because I really like this one little tiny snippet. Um, it's called the incarnation of the soul. The passage says, The differences in character of the pharaohs are not determined by the nature of their soul, for all kingly souls are godlike, but by the gods that escort the soul into incarnation. Souls of such quality that incarnate for so high a purpose do not descend without attendance, for divine justice knows how to assign to each his due, even when exiled from the happy land. When the soul is accompanied by warlike gods, this pharaoh will wage war. When the gods are peaceful, he will maintain peace. When they are musical, he will make music. When they are just, he will rule wisely. When they are lovers of truth, he will be a philosopher. For souls, by necessity, cling to the temperament of the gods who bring them down to earth. For when they sink into the human condition, they forget their own nature and are conscious only of the disposition of those who have shut them in this mortal tomb. I really, really like this passage because another belief that I have about birth charts and modern astrology is the fact that our planets definitely give us our temperament and whatever's happening in the cosmos is directly affecting kind of what we have within us and it, it brings out various characteristics and aspects of our personality uh, based on the interactions of like the energy and I love the passage where he said for when they sink into the human condition they forget their own nature and are conscious only of the disposition of those who have shut them in this mortal tomb and for me I look at a birth chart as like the nature aspect of someone's personality and your personality can definitely change through time because we do change based on our human experience and one of the ways that we do change through the human experience is through nurture so what we go through as a human definitely changes the expression of whatever energies we give out or put off but the nature aspect meaning what we were imbued with when we were born those energies that exist in our birth chart at the time of our birth we carry those through life and they're very, very strong. And if we don't condition ourselves to have certain responses to certain situations or we don't condition ourselves to react towards certain stimuli in a certain way, we are definitely just going to draw from that nature aspect. We're going to draw from those planets, from those gods and the energies that they gave us at the time when we were born. 
for those of you who aren't very well versed in astrology, um, a birth chart comprises planets, signs, and houses, as well as degrees. And I'm going to break this down into simple terms so you can understand exactly what I'm talking about when I speak of each one of these things. So when we're talking about a birth chart, you can consider the planets like the director of the show. And they're going to tell you how to do something or how you should be acting. And then you have the signs. That's the actor. That's the characteristics. That's, that's who is being brought to the show. And then you have houses, which are the role that's being played. So you have the planet that's directing the actor to play this particular role. And the degree of whatever sign or planet is like the articulation of that role. It's the articulation of the actor's characteristics and the planet's direction. Astrology is really just representative of archetypes and themes that tell a story. And when we look at a birth chart, there is definitely evidence within that chart for a, the story of someone's past life or li past lives, and then also their present life, especially their present life. It definitely tells the story of where that energy is expected to be expressed and how it's expected to be expressed. Now, earlier I mentioned the rising sign and your rising sign in your birth chart is incredibly, incredibly important. And that's because it determines your chart ruler. So each of us has a particular rising sign and whatever sign that we have in that sequence, it basically has a corresponding planet or sometimes you can have two planets that co-rule a particular sign. For example, I'm a Scorpio rising and my main ruler planet is going to be Pluto, but my co-ruler is being Mars. And the major themes that these planets represent have a lot of impact on my character, my personality, and a lot of the, the um, reoccurring themes throughout my life. Within the next month, I'm going to be releasing some premium content where I go more in depth about astrology and in particular birth charts. But the reason this content is going to be for premium members only is because the birth chart is a very incredible healing tool. You can learn a lot about yourself just through the birth chart. And I don't want to give this information away for free. It's not going to be very expensive, but it will be incredibly, incredibly useful knowledge that I think is an awesome investment for anyone looking to go on a spiritual and healing journey. I think one of the coolest things about birth chart readings is that they date very far back in history. The earliest known birth chart reading was conducted in 650 BC and it was near modern Mosul in Iraq. So birth chart readings are an incredibly ancient practice and they're incredibly, incredibly powerful and very useful information for anyone who's seeking guidance from like a higher source or a higher power or just a general level of deeper understanding of self. 
in our modern world too, like we're now coming to understand and find evidence for the fact that planets actually do truly affect us and we can find physical evidence for that in our society as well. In the early 20th century, a Russian scientist named Chevsky created an index of mass human excitability in a study to show the chaotic and turbulent life that existed in 72 different countries in this historical study that spanned across 2,500 years from 500 BC to 1922 AD. What Chevsky was ultimately looking for was signs and kind of overall themes of unhappiness or rioting, economic upsets, various expeditions and migrations, wars, revolutions, anything that was kind of out of the ordinary. Chevsky ranked these events in terms of severity based on how many people were involved within each of these events that he was reviewing. He came to find out that 80% of the most significant events occurred during the five years of maximum sunspot activity. His study correlated the fact that as sunspot activity increases, we feel an increasing sense of stress and these kind of negative and violent events break out all over the world during these times. On the flip side, when the sun's sunspot activity decreases, we're able to recover from the stress and only 20% of the most negative events end up taking place. And while this is a correlative study, meaning there's not a distinct piece of evidence that says this for sure caused this to happen, this effect that Chevsky was seeing throughout his study held true for the entire 2,500 year length that he studied. Another interesting study was conducted in 2010 by researchers from Stanford and Purdue universities, and they were looking at the decay rates of radioactive materials. They found that their decay rates would slightly decrease during the summer and increase in the winter, and they took precautions for experimental error and environmental conditions, then they were able to rule those out. Basically what the study concluded is that changes in solar activity can alter the flow of time and they can accelerate the amount of negative events happening or even change the rate at which something is decaying. What this research strongly suggests is that it's possible that a burst of energy from the sun is capable of slowing down time and causing the earth to rotate more slowly, but they don't understand quite the mechanics behind it or the why. Another interesting fact about the sun, which was discovered by NASA in 2008, is that about every eight minutes, a portal forms between the sun and the earth and solar particles flow through. Each of these magnetic portals, or what NASA considers a flux transfer event, is as wide as the earth. In 2008, it was also discovered that there are streams of dark matter that are running through the halo of the Milky Way. Scientists theorize that these streams of dark matter are possibly the visible energetic signatures of natural stargate portals that pass between stars. So as we see here, just from a few recent studies that have been done, there's definitely energy being passed around our galaxy evidence of energy being passed 
from planet to planet and through the star system that we exist within just gives more credence for me personally to the birth chart theory in astrology of how we're imbued with energy at the time that we're born and that energy comprises our soul and our personality. In the book series, The Law of One, the higher dimensional being known as Ra states that the planets are alive. He also goes on to state that in higher dimensions, there are beings that live on the planets that we currently do not see life forms on. The reason for this is because our third dimensional vision is not capable of seeing things beyond our limitation. And he states that while the conditions for life on Earth are ripe for our human vessels, the conditions on, for example, Jupiter and Venus, which he cites in a passage as where higher dimensional beings exist and live, are actually suitable for the type of being that they are. And that's why they are able to live in those conditions. And that's another reason why we are not able to see what they're living and they're experiencing because of our third dimensional limited vision. Another reason we're not able to see or interact with these higher dimensional beings, not just because of our physical limitation of sight, it's also due to time. And these planets and these higher beings live on another time dimension. And that's one of the reasons we're not able to interact with them is because we're living on a certain timeline and a time frame and they're living on a higher timeline and a higher time frame. But Ross stresses the fact that our planets are alive. All of our planets in the galaxy are living beings, including our own Earth. And as we're moving forward with technology, we are able to prove the physical evidence for the fact that each of the planets is alive and has a lot of activity going on. While it's not technically a planet, the sun has proven to be one of the most active celestial bodies within our galaxy. Since the 1940s, the sun has been more active than in the previous 1,150 years combined. Scientists have even proven that the sun is more energetic than it has been in at least 8,000 years. In 2006, NASA proved that the flow of time within the sun may be changing because its great conveyor belt, which is a massive circulating current of hot plasma, slowed down from a normal walking speed of 1 meter per second to 0.75 meters per second in the north and only 0.25 meters per second in the south. What I personally take from this is that it seems like the sun is conserving energy almost in order to have more of a longevity. Kind of like how a runner doesn't want to sprint through a marathon, but they want to keep like a continued pace so that they don't burn themselves out. And I believe that nature always is comprised of an intelligent design. So I think that there is something behind this pace that the sun is deciding to take now rather than pushing full force as it has been because it might be trying to preserve itself. Mercury is also undergoing some interesting changes in activity. In 2008, Mercury was found to have several signatures indicating significant pressure within the magnetosphere itself that it didn't have in the 1970s. In 2009, those same signatures grew more intense 
and the messenger probe was able to see magnetic twisters on the surface of Mercury that are 10 times stronger than any seen on Earth. Venus, too, has also seen some interesting changes. From 1975 to 2001, Venus's overall brightness increased by a whopping 2,500%. And this increase in brightness is completely unexplained. Scientists theorize, though, that this increase may have resulted from an increase in the oxygen content of Venus's atmosphere. One of the most interesting pieces of evidence for activity increases on planets has to do with Mars. I find this is interesting because apparently the biggest global dust storm in several decades engulfed the entire planet rapidly in 2001. And this occurred around 9-11. Earlier we talked about the passing of energy from planet to planet and I find this is interesting just because of the fact that there's a possibility that the negative energy that we felt from 9-11 and the events surrounding that terrorist attack could have bounced from our planet into Mars and created that storm from all that brewed up negative energy. However, this is just a theory. Much like Venus's increase in brightness, in 2005, European astronomers were able to notice a glow on the night side of Mars for the very first time. It is uncertain what has caused this glow, but I find it interesting considering the fact that Venus also had a brightness increase, and that was attributed to oxygen increases in its atmosphere. What I found most interesting about Jupiter was that its famous great red spot over the years has gone from a bright red color to something more like a pink salmon color. Scientists aren't certain where this color change stems from, but they theorize that it has to do with an overall increase in Jupiter's temperature. Jupiter's moon Io has also shown interesting signs of activity in the last 30 years as well. In 1995, Io had a huge bright 200 mile wide feature show up in only 16 months which was apparently a more dramatic change than any seen in the previous 15 years of observation. Between 1973 and 1996, Io's ionosphere became 1,000% higher. And between 1979 and 1998, Io's entire surface became over 200% hotter. And in 1998, there were new colors that were seen in Io's aurorae. Similar to what we were seeing in the sun and the reduction in the flow of time, on Saturn, between 1980 and 1996, clouds at Saturn's equator slowed down by a total of 58.2%. In 2006, a massive storm with lightning bolts that were a thousand times stronger than any seen on Earth were observed on Saturn. On Uranus in the year 2000, NASA observed seasonal brightness changes, and these brightness changes were of unknown origin. And in 2003, carbon monoxide gas was actually detected in Uranus's atmosphere for the first time. And in 2007, it was found that there are brightness increases in the rings surrounding Uranus. Neptune also experienced an interesting brightness increase, and this went on from 1996 to 2002. Since Neptune runs on almost no energy, scientists were pretty baffled about how to explain this phenomenon. Pluto was observed to have a noticeable rise in surface temperatures, which scientists initially labeled as global warming, but given the relation between and the distance between the Sun and Pluto, 
NASA eventually acknowledged that this could not be likely, leaving these changes to be completely unexplained. Between the year 2000 and 2002, the red levels of Pluto's colors became 20 to 30% stronger. I only scratched the surface with the data that I included on the planets and their changes and shifts, but I wanted to really just touch upon kind of mostly the major um, occurrences that have happened within the last like 40 or 50 years. And scientists are still observing changes and shifts within these planets as we currently speak. I find it interesting that as we move forward into the future, that we're able to observe more occurrences and more shifts on these planets that seem to be coming more and more alive within the last century. Just like the theory in astrology, I truly believe that our planets are constantly interacting. I feel like they're always sending each other information. I feel like our galaxy is in constant communication with itself. And I don't believe that we are an exception to that either. I believe that we are part of that communication whether we want to be or not, especially as we move forward further into the age of Aquarius. To seal the deal on the fact that the sun influences us, Dr. James Spottiswood studied 20 years worth of solid scientific research into anomalous cognition, where ordinary people were tested to see how psychic they were. He explored 51 different studies conducted from 1976 to 1996, which added up to a total of 2,879 different individual trials. And it was found that solar activity had a clear and measurable influence on our psychic ability. Basically, what that study concluded was the fact that the more solar activity that there is, the less effective that we are in these anomalous cognition tests. In other words, our psychic abilities are lessened when there's more solar activity. And in the book series, The Law of One, Ra states that the sun is entirely capable of giving us what we need for DNA upgrades. And while there's no evidence to prove what Ra states, it's not hard to believe after all the evidence we've witnessed based on the studies that have been conducted that the sun is entirely capable of influencing our personality and our souls. If you weren't a big believer in astrology before you came on my podcast, I really hope that this episode kind of opened your eyes a little bit more to the possibility that our galaxy and our planets have an influence over us. Over the next week, I'd like you to take some time to ponder just how intricately connected everything in our galaxy and our lives really is, and it's all interlinked by energy. And if you're really interested, I definitely invite you to go down the black hole that is astrology because it's super, super deep and you will get sucked into it for hours. Thanks, and I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining me down the black hole. I hope your mind was expanded and that you're able to see the world through a new lens. If you enjoyed your journey down the black hole, please subscribe to my channel. And if you want more content, you can follow me on Instagram at starseed.coeli. In the meantime, keep your mind open. The universe is full of endless possibilities.